born to die He might give Eternal life That I might live Then rose again Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're now a child of God. So he says, my little children. So is he writing to God's children or not? Yes, he is. He's not writing to, he's writing to the lost people. He's writing to the believers. And he says, these things write I unto you. So there's a reason why these things are written to you. When he says that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Notice the first statement there. That ye sin not. Now there's a couple other places where this is also similar when you read the book of Romans in chapter 6 and verse 1, after you've trusted Christ as Savior, the question, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. No. But if you read this and you put Scripture in context, say, but if you do, you need to know. Does God want His children to live in sin? No. Does He want us to live in the flesh? No. Because sin is of the flesh. And if you didn't have that sinful nature, you wouldn't have to worry about it. But it's a sign you still got an old sinful nature. So you have a choice of walking in the old sinful nature, or you can walk in according to your new nature. Your new birth has no sinful nature. It can't sin. So here you are, and you got to walk in one or the other. And you're, we're so easily deceived. We sometimes think that we're always walking in the Spirit. We're always doing right, but we're not. So it's easy for a child of God to think he's walking in the Spirit and he's really walking in the flesh. First John is to help us to see and discern for ourselves so you don't have to have somebody else tell you, that's not right. That's not right. You can discern for yourself. So that's why it's going to take about 12 lessons through the book of First John. And I hope that you get them all. But I want you to take your Bible and look at a verse with me. I want you to look there in John chapter 8. Hold your place here, but look there in John and chapter 8, the Gospel of John. There's a little illustration that's mentioned here where a woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And so she was brought to see Jesus. They did it on purpose, trying to trap him. And so the Pharisees are behind this. And of course, if she was caught in the very act of adultery, do you ever wonder, well, where's the man? Where was the man? Now, there's a good possibility everything has to be witnessed by two or more. So there could be up to three people 
that had to be witnesses of what was going on, and they saw it. And there's a good possibility that one of those men and those two witnesses were standing there. And when Jesus wrote, it wasn't so much that he was what he was writing in the sand, which everybody tried to figure out, what did he write, what did he write? What did he... I don't know what he wrote. But I know that the Ten Commandments was, the Bible says, written by the finger of God. And here's Jesus, who is the great I Am, and he's writing something. And maybe he wrote something that they could see. And he says, let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. Well, these people that were the eyewitnesses, did they tell the truth or did they lie? Chances are they, it was true. She was caught. But why wasn't the man stoned? Another question is if, when Jesus looked at her, it says in verse 11, Jesus said, or look, look in verse 10, when Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those things of thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, go and sin no more. That means she's never going to sin again. Or she's not going to commit that sin. Or that's the will of God, even for you and I. He doesn't want us to live in sin or to walk in the flesh. Now go back to the book of uh, 1 John chapter 2. Where he makes the statement there in verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have a lawyer. We have an advocate. We have somebody who is in our, well, he's our defense attorney. He defends us. And that defense attorney is Jesus Christ himself. In other words, he paid for that sin. There's always the devil who wants to accuse you before the Father. Did you see what she did? Did you see what he did? And yes, there's a lot of people who probably can point out a lot of sins in a lot of people's lives. They don't see their own, but they can point them out in everybody else. But Jesus says, Father, I, I paid for that. I, I paid for that. Now, that was covered too. That's under the blood. How many of my sins did Christ pay for when he died? Now look at the last part of verse 2. In verse 2 he says, And he is the propitiation or the satisfaction for my sins. But not for ours only, but also for what? Sins of the whole world. Calvinists have to really mutilate this verse to try to say it doesn't mean that. But it is true, and it does mean that. When Christ died, he paid for all the sins of all the world. Take your Bible and look in verse 26. In verse 26 of chapter 2, because these are some things that says it was written, and it is written. So it's written for a reason, so you need to have as high points what was written, and why was it written? So he makes a statement here in verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Is it possible that God's children can be seduced? Can they be led astray? Yes. Is it possible for you to love the wrong things? Yes. You see there when he makes a statement in verse 15 of chapter 2, the Word of God tells us to his little children, believers, by one of the apostles that were actually there with God. 
and learned from God. And the Holy Spirit told him, write this, write this, write this. He was so honored and so blessed to give us insight into the closeness with our Heavenly Father. Look what he says in verse 15. Love not the world. Why would he tell you not to love the world? Because it's possible to love the world. You mean a child of God can walk in the flesh, be deceived, and love the world? And then he says, what I mean by saying love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because any man has the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he explains what he's talking about, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. A Christian can have all of those things and not walk with the Lord. And if he doesn't walk with the Lord, that means, well, he's not really saved. No, it didn't say that. He says he's walking in the flesh and he's disobedient and he needs to be chastened. But he's still a child of God. But you need to know so that you're not deceived but you should still have the comfort of knowing that I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven when I die because of what Christ did on the cross for me. Look in chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 10. But before I read verse 10, it's good, but verse 9 can knock your socks off. See, in verse 9 when he says, And whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because why? He's born of God. Okay, now, that kind of knocks you out of the water. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. All right, look up here. This is my flesh birth. I was born in the world with a flesh birth and a sinful nature. It can't do anything right. It's rebellious, and it's corrupt. And because of sin, it's going to die. So I trusted Christ as my Savior, and he gave me a new birth. This one is born of God. Born of God means God's the Father. And because God's the Father, he doesn't have a sinful nature. So without a sinful nature, it doesn't sin. And because he can't sin, he can't die. So I got two. This one is older than this one. And so that's why in verse 9, that whosoever is born of God. Now, which one of these is born of God? Well, this one. And whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. It can't doesn't sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. This one cannot sin. This is why in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1, he talks about being born again by the incorruptible word of God that liveth and abideth forever. But now, look in verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest, or known, or revealed. And the children of the devil. Look up here. Jesus says, those in the flesh, these are not the children of God. Romans chapter 9 and verse 8. They which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. And so because these are not the children of God, God is not your father. And he says in John chapter 8, he says, you are of your father the devil. Children of the devil. We have the devil's same spirit of rebellion. That's why sometimes we act like the devil. That's why you can be as mean and ugly as the devil. Why do you think people commit adultery and rape and murder and all those? Because they have a sinful nature just like the devil. The devil was a liar from the beginning. And we are the children of the devil and that's why we lie. 
But what was Satan's problem? He had pride. What's our problem? We're lifted up with pride. That's what makes us envious and bitter and filled with jealousy and hatred and all the things that are evil. And people are trying to pass laws, trying to legislate righteousness, and it ain't going to happen. Because there's nothing that they do in Washington that helps us spiritually. We have a spiritual problem. If we knew the Lord and fell in love with the Lord, and then we can learn how to love each other. But you can tell people, those are hate crimes. All crimes are hate crimes. Duh. Anyway, look up here. I am not going to get sidetracked this morning. So when the Bible talks about here in verse 10, there is a difference between the children of the flesh, the devil, and the children of God, the spirit. And this is how they are revealed, manifest. So God says that you and I, we have these two natures. And so if you walk in the flesh, you're going to bring forth the works of the flesh, and that reveals that you're living like the devil. So can a child of God live like the devil? You'd be surprised how many people are trying to straighten me out on this. Because they say, well, if you tell people they can trust Christ as Savior and live like the devil, I didn't say that. God said that. I didn't make that up. But people don't understand the other part when I said, but you got a choice. You can walk in the Spirit too. You can also learn, I want to please God. But if you say you can trust Christ as Savior and live like you please, oh, I don't believe he said that. Did you hear what he said? All it means is you trust Christ as Savior and God gives you a choice. You can choose to be an obedient child or disobedient. What's your problem? You're trying to say that's not true. You know it's the truth, but it's just like somebody wants to try to rip away what God promised, eternal life, and you can know you're going to heaven. Because if it's not true, you can't know you're going to heaven. It's a slap at God. So that's why. Now, just to kind of give you this so you'll see it. Look down in verse 15. Verse 15 of chapter 3. Whosoever hateth his brother is a what? Oh, no, there you are. You hate anybody? Then that means you're a murderer. And look at the last one. And no murderer hath eternal life abide in him. And that's just if you hate somebody. Anybody in Washington you hate? I'll be honest. Don't tell me who. Don't want to know. There's some people probably sitting here right now. You hate your kids or, you, or they hate you. You hate your wife or they hate you. Or you hate your husband and he hates you. But you're still staying together just to go through the motions. But there's no real love there. I'm not asking for a raise of hands. But now, how in the world would you explain it? How can you, I'm a child of God and I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven when I die. But you hate. He says, no. Person who hates a murderer and the murderer doesn't have eternal life. All right, look up here. Which one of these is the one that comes from hate? That's the flesh. And this is the murderer. These cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's why you needed a new birth that will inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the day I trusted Christ as my Savior, boom, I got my new birth. I'm good to go. I'm ready to go to heaven that very moment. Regardless of this fellow over here. 20 years later, I'm still good to go. 40 years later, I'm still good to go. 100 years later, I'm still good to go. Why? Because my new birth is perfect. And when you understand, then it brings such peace and joy because you know and you understand that you have this eternal life. In uh, 
that verse, it helps you to understand the difference, the two natures. Now, next lecture, next week will be very helpful for you. But I want you to look there in chapter 4 in verse 1. Remember, there is always the possibility of false teachers, false prophets. What they do is because their teaching is not true, it teaches fear, teaches people to be afraid. You see, if God walked in this room right now and told me, she's standing right there, Yankee, if you'll believe that what I did on the cross, I did it for you. And if you'll trust me, I'll take you to heaven when you die. And I will not break my word. I promise you can know right now, nothing will ever change that. Man, that's good news. I am happy. I know I'm going to heaven. Oh, but here comes the person here. You can't believe what he said. You've got to live right. You've got to go to church and keep the Ten Commandments. And if you don't live right, it's a sign you really didn't believe what he said. You weren't really saved. Now, did they just produce peace or fear? That's fear. Because now you don't know. Because you can't know. Because if it depends upon me, I've got a lot to be worried about. But if I trust him, I don't have to worry about it. It's all done. Best news I ever heard in my life. So there's false teachers that teach error. And the results of that error is fear. It destroys. Cause you not to believe what God said. See, if I want to get along with me and God, I've got to learn to trust him explicitly. I can't afford to let false teachers get in and split us up where I don't want to walk with God. Because I can't trust him. This knowing I have eternal life and knowing that I can't go to hell in the future is one of the greatest binding together of my confidence in the Lord, my assurance that can never be undone. And without that, you don't have anything. So look there in verse 1. Beloved, talking to believers. See, in chapter 3, he also makes the statement, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beloved, here in verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Try the spirit. How do you try a spirit? Well, you've got to put them on the witness stand. And you've got to bring accusations against them. You've got to try them. Well, you try the spirits by the message that they teach. If people teach contrary to the eternal security of every believer... Something's wrong with that teaching. It did not come from God. And you need to be able to discern that. And so he says there's a lot of false prophets going out in the world. False teachers have a false message. And a false message does damage to the security of the believer. And when you have doubts about your security in the Lord, it affects your walk with the Lord. When I know that God loves me, that much, that regardless of my obedience and disobedience, he still loves me the same. When I do something, it breaks my heart when I know it breaks his. Otherwise, it wouldn't bother me because he don't love me anyway. He'll probably send me to hell anyhow. It depends upon me and I ain't got a chance. I done messed up so many times, no sense even trying. And that's what the wrong messages does to you. Look what he says in verse 4. Ye are of God little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He that's in me is the Holy Spirit. The devil is in the world. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So where is God? In me. 
I am his child. I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven whenever I die. Best news I ever heard. Now, look there in verse 18. Verse 18, where it says, There is no fear in what? In love. That's why God wants you to learn to love him more. Because then you can trust him more. Because you know there's things God will not do. God will not do anything to hurt me in this life. And he wants me to enjoy life. He wants my joy to be full. He wants me to have good confidence and security. And I believe that if God can give me eternal life, he can give me a hamburger from day to day. So he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. This mature love, not just that I know the Lord and I know God knows me, but I want to learn to walk with the Lord and I want to be as close as I can because it keeps me from being afraid. It keeps me from being afraid. I don't have to fear death. Why? Because perfect love casts out that fear of dying. I ain't afraid to die. I've had some people say, why do you say stuff like that? I told somebody, I said, the best thing that can happen to me is to drop dead. (gasps) Well, it is. Where am I going when I die? Well, why am I in? You know, it's such a wonderful place. I just don't want to go. I can't wait to get there, but not yet. You know what I'm talking about. Knowing, get this, it's a statement I wrote down. You may want to write it down. I didn't put it in your notes. Knowing you have eternal life forever is the foundational basis for fellowship with God. Knowing you have eternal life forever is the foundational basis for your fellowship, your walk with God. Because you can't walk with God, well, I'm going to heaven today. Well, I'm not sure I'm going now. If you don't understand that your heavenly Father, even though you sin against Him, He'll forgive you. He says He is faithful and just to forgive. You see, He has to. Because of the payment Christ made. Because of your lawyer. We have an advocate with the Father. He's better than Perry Mason. He's never lost a case. And you can look to him. And you can trust him. Look at number three. We've got five minutes left. Now for the rest of the sermon. Now most of I've already covered as much as I'm going to cover anyway. But now number three. Truth is the foundation of fellowship. Because, you see, God is truth. And if you want to walk with the Lord, you've got to be honest with Him. Does God know everything that's going on in your life? He knows your questions, your doubts. Does He know about any of your secret sins? You know the ones that nobody else knows about but you do? Does God know about those? Tell God about it. Because you can't fool Him. And is is a child of God living in in a way that... When we talk about confess your sins to the Lord, it means to recognize that was wrong and it was sin and accept God's forgiveness. And whenever you can accept God's forgiveness on any sin that you've ever done, then forgive yourself. But you forgiving you is going to be based upon you believing God forgave me. Because if you don't believe God forgives you, you're not going to have peace because there's the guilt. Accept God's forgiveness and Keep moving on for the Lord because you're God's child. You don't have to live the rest of your life in guilt, but your walk with the Lord. And this is why the study here in the book of 1 John is going to be so important, and I hope that you'll get all of it. Look up here. This hand represents you and me, and the wallet represents sin. 
you've seen this enough, but you know, I've had some people just lately tell me that they did witness and they used a wallet illustration and they had somebody trust the Lord. Now, I didn't see it, but they told me that they did it. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have used the wallet illustration in some form or another? Let me see your hand. That's most of you in the room. Now, you that didn't raise your hand, I know raising your arm, you lose your charm. But I did want to know that if you trusted the Lord and you have eternal life, you'd want to share it with somebody. Now, if you find a better illustration, that's fine. But I want to know it because I haven't found a better illustration for a person to understand the gospel. This is you and me, and we have all sinned. Ain't that the truth? And the wages of sin is death. That means we're all going to die. We separate from God. That's the truth. And that God loves us, wants us to go to heaven, but we can't go because heaven is perfect and we're not. And that's the truth. God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't pay for your sin any other way, by good works or any way. So therefore you can't save yourself. And that's the truth. This hen represents Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, and that's the truth. He came into the world, and that's the truth. You see, he said, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law came by Moses. So Jesus Christ came into the world because he loves us, and that's the truth. He had no sin, but our sin separates us from him, and that's true. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross. That's the truth. Came back three days later, and that's true. And all that he wanted you and I to do is believe he did it for us. I've had people get on my case that that Yankee just believed in that easy believism. Okay, if you don't want to believe it easy, believe it hard. But it's still the only thing you have to do to go to heaven is believe in it. It's all you can do to go to heaven is trust Christ as your Savior. Now, if you can believe it easy or hard, but just do it. And so when you believe it, God gives you as a free gift everlasting life. And we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I, well, I'm the preacher of the church. I'm just a little bit better, you know, like callous cornflakes. I'm a little bit better. No. You don't look down your long fair shield and nose that others say I'm better than they are. No, you're not. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. Christ died for sinners. So you all qualify because we're all in the same boat. Christ did not die for everybody in the world except you because you didn't need any payment made for your sin because you was good enough. <laughs> Isn't that a joke? So when you trust Christ as your Savior, he gives you what kind of life? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it lasts forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where are you going to die? Now that's good news. All right. Now, y'all save these notes because they might be worth something someday. Today they're not, but they might someday. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, why not right now in the quietness of this moment just say, Lord, I believe you died on that cross and paid for my sins. And I'm going to believe you did it for me and I'm going to trust you as my Savior. And by you accepting Christ, you are accepting eternal life. And if you accept him now, you have eternal life now. Not tomorrow, you'll have it now when you accept Him. He is eternal life. And He said He'll never leave you and never forsake you. Would you trust Him? Would you just simply, in your own mind, between you and the Lord, say, Lord, I believe it. And if you're making that decision, would you let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and put it right back down. Say, one at all. And one at all. 
just raise your hand and put it down. Not going to embarrass you. If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Let us know. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you so much for loving us. We're thankful that we can know that we have eternal life and we can know that we can walk with you because you love us. And when we mess up, you have provisions made for that too. You forgive us. We ask your blessings upon our board meeting now in Christ's name. Amen. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.